Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Grinding True Crime with your host, Temporarily, again for this episode, because we're missing Maddie Matt. This is Todd Fox, along and with Big Renee. Big Renee, how you doing, Renee? Doing good, doing good. But this whole stay-at-home thing is killing me. <laughs> Yo, this corona fever's got everyone, or coronavirus, has gotten everyone with the, uh, what is it called, the... Uh, that syndrome we were just talking about, cabin fever. I got a bad case of that. Yeah, dude. Like, we're active guys, and the fact that we can't go out and ball or go to the trail. And living here in California, it's, they are super strict, and they're looking to shame you if you do go out. So It's like everything's <clears throat> closed. Yeah, there's nothing to do. It's like, oh, yeah, there's like one trail that's open mm-hmm. with my little sister, but she's like, if you tell anybody, they close it, I'm going to kill you. I'm like... <laughs> Okay. Well, they will eventually, trust me. They're closing beaches as we speak. So, as we get on this uh, case, if you like this, like what you hear, if you heard other episodes, we encourage you to check them out. We don't always do the most popular ones. The only one that we did so far that was like super in the news was the Night Stalker. We're going to be getting to other ones like H.H. Uh, H. Holmes and, and Ed Kemper and all those other guys coming down, down the road. But we're going to be doing these smaller cases, the ones that you haven't heard about that are very interesting and have twists and turns. I'm Really uh, encourage you guys to check out the other episodes because that's the bulk of what we've done so far. Um, <clears throat> but, um, like I said, you can find us. Uh, we have a Grinds Podcast, which is www.grindspodcast.com, or look us up um, on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podbean, and others under Grinding True Crimes. We're also under iTunes. Absolutely. Yes, sir, we are. So, this case is called The Blood Trail. It sounds like a good book. <laughs> yeah, it does. This case has got some twists and turns. The last case that we did came out of, uh, what is it, uh, Vermont? Fremont? It was Vermont. Vermont, my bad. So it was, a, it was out of Vermont, and it was a smaller case. Uh, this one's actually a big case in the state of Missouri. Okay. But not nationwide as much. But okay. it, and I don't know why, but it just wasn't. It's a local. Yeah, it was a local thing. But it started out in Festus, Missouri. Yeah, so last time we were doing a case, we did one out of 1998. This one's 2008. A little more recent. Yes. Um, It's about Jill and Tom Estes. They're from a small town in Arkansas. They traveled up to Festus, Missouri for a um, festival and also uh, something to do with this school, which uh, Jill was a full time school teacher down there in Arkansas. Uh, her husband Jill, um, they were, uh, he was he was a former rail worker, worked mm-hmm. on trains, engineer. Uh, not engineer as far as a train engineer, but just engineer is fixing the parts and trains. All around good guy. They were high school sweethearts, oh. married for over 20 years. The kids were grown up, so it was just them on the trip. Their new kids, however, uh, were two small dogs. Uh, they kind of looked like little, little uh, Wiener dogs, but they weren't. They're, and they're kind of cross between uh, what are those called? I should have looked up the, the, the I was going to say brand of dog, <laughs> the breed of dog. I'm all tongue twisted, dude. Um, yeah, anyway, they're, they're small dogs. They kind of remind me of Chihuahuas a bit, but a little bit bigger. Uh, maybe Yorks? I don't know. Those corgis? It could be. Could be. I don't know. I'm not too, I don't know. If it's not a husky, a German Shepherd, or a, a Labrador, I really don't know the dogs. Yeah, so those big, those big breeds. Yeah, bigger breeds on them too. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so they took those dogs everywhere. 
So for the two years, everyone knew where those dogs were is where they were never going to be. Yeah. Um, so they were up in this uh, this uh, hotel. They stayed up there for the weekend to do the trip. And it was a courtyard Marriott. Okay. And, uh, they, or no, I'm sorry, it was a comfort, comfort inn. See, I'm messing up. Comfort <laughs> inn. They, were, uh, they went out for dinner that evening. And, uh, you know, normal thing. Yeah. And spent the day for the festival. They were actually going to stay one more night and they were going to go home. Okay. Uh, later that evening, around uh, midnight, Mm-hmm. There was a there was a lady you know you know how you have the receptionists at the hotels or motels they're kind of like you have the lobby area and you're kind of facing the, the sliding glass doors you know, yeah the, the motion ones oh yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah so the doors open around midnight mm-hmm. there's two small dogs and they're just in the light they're kind of huddled kind of cold because it's kind of cold outside it's probably in the, uh, the mid twenties mid thirties because this is in the winter time mm-hmm. and uh, she's like that's weird. You know, dogs are just sitting there. And so she goes to pick one of them up. She gets blood all over her hands. And she's like, holy crap. You know, like, these dogs are injured. So she brings them both in, kind of puts them behind the desk, closes the door on the desk, you know, so they can't come out because they're small. She calls the police, and the police um, send a, uh, what is it called, SIACA, sort of like SPCA type of animal control. Yeah. Basically, they come by. And uh, they're looking over at the dogs, and the dogs are looking, or uh, the, the workers looking at the dogs, and like, well, I don't see no cuts yeah. on, on the dogs. You know, they, they don't appear to be wounded. And the cop says, you know, that looks a lot like human blood. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, they're looking around at the dogs, and they didn't notice a dog collar. The tag was underneath the collar, you know, the little pendant. Whatever. Yeah. So they pull it out. And it has the name uh, Tom and Jill Estes and the dog's name. Yeah. So then the receptionist is like, well, let me look on here and see if we have an Estes staying here. And she's like, well, lo and behold, we do. Third floor. So the police just go just in case to be like, you know, we got to investigate this, you know. Have to check it out. Yeah, to see what's going on. So they go up to the third floor and knock on the door. No one answers. The receptionist is like, well, I got the car key, you know. No one answered. They tried several times, and then they're like, "You know what? Let's just go in. Let's check." They go in the room. Nothing's appeared to be moved. Their suitcases are still there. Clothes are still on the bed, like they went out. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, you know, um, did they? And so next next thing was let's check the log to see if they put because you know when you get those hotels, you have to give them your license plate number, yeah, car you drive, mm-hmm. and that way they know that you're on. You know, now this is a big courtyard hotel. It's like a major one off the freeway, and they've got a huge parking lot. Mm-hmm. So they looked for the car, didn't see it in the front. And, uh, you know, the, uh, they called in a couple of detectives too because they're like blood, dogs, people like, are missing. Like a little suspicious. Yeah, a lot suspicious. suspicious. So um, they go to the back of the hotel, and that's where they find the Estes' car. And it's a red Corvette with Arkansas plates. It's like a late 90s Corvette. Okay. Nice car. And they look in, they shine a flashlight on the uh, on the driver's seat, and a purse is right there. That's weird. A purse is in plain view. There's not too many people. It's a, it's a time of year where there's not too many people in. No one's going to be like, hey, let's go to Festus. 
Yeah. What's Vestas? It's a small, like, like where? Yeah, it's a small town. Yeah. Basically, that's one of two hotels in the whole area. And it's a big hotel. And it's the only reason why it's a big one, like I said, because it's off a major freeway that connects you to, to Missouri on your way to St. Louis mm-hmm. and Chicago. So yeah. it's sort of in the middle, thing in, in between. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's mostly where truckers go or if they have a big thing in town or close to town, people stay or they're tired type of So when they find the car in there, the handbag there, Officer and the detective go to the other side of the car, the driver's side, and all of a sudden they get a little scared and a little horrified. There's a pool of blood, and they see a big amount of blood, and the blood is kind of scattered around on the next parking spot. And then as they can, it's pitch black out there because you know it's the middle of the night still. There's not that good of lighting, so they're taking their flashlights out, and on the camera. You can see they're looking on the little stopper of the parking spot, the next one over. Mm-hmm. Blood on that. And then there's blood on the sidewalk. And as you go a little further, then they find an earring in the in the flower bed. Blood all over. Right away, they call the police. It's a small town. Um, they call the special victims uh, from Missouri State Police. They come in. And major crimes, unit. I'm sorry. Yeah. And they call them in. And as they're videotaping, they're finding more and more blood in the parking lot. This is getting, they're just following that trail. Yeah, following the trail to where it goes around the corner of the hotel, and then it just abruptly stops. There's no more blood. But they did see in the bushes as they, as they looked, they found a bloody pair of glasses. Both of them wore glasses. Okay. And then they looked again, <clears throat> a few feet away, by the bike where the trail they originally looked on. Examine more, found another pair of glasses. So now they know both of them don't have their glasses. There's blood involved. Something traumatic happened. The dogs got scared and ran to the only shelter where they knew, which where they came out of the hotel. Yeah. And the cops were feeling the worst. And now obviously something happened, but there was no bodies. They searched the parking lot high and low the rest of the night. Nothing. That's crazy. Yeah, find anything like they're finding all this stuff and but no bodies, nothing, no, no nothing. Yeah, no, no weapons, no nothing. Yeah, and the problem was there was no cameras on that part of the hotel. You can't see nothing. There's nothing. They don't know what happened back there. And the only camera that was working facing the parking lot wasn't working. So <laughs> figures. So they had yeah, and nobody saw anything. They went, they canvassed the hotel, nothing. So by morning time. No, they had nothing to go on. They just knew that now two people were missing. And something bad had happened. Yeah. Well, what? So the next morning, like I said, moves on. Just blocks away, a woman is taking out the trash at a convenience store. She goes to put the trash in the in the dumpster. There's a wooden fence with a crack in it behind the dumpster. She happens to look back there. And at this point, it's starting to snow a little bit. She sees someone lying down, face down. She goes in, looks, peeks through the, the wooden boards of the fence, and there's two bodies lying in the, uh, in the, on the ground, in the snow, both a lot of blood all around them. <clears throat> so automatically, obviously, she calls the cops. The detectives right away are like, dude, that, that's probably her DOAs. You know, like, yeah. they're, that's probably what happened to them. Something happened to them. Someone dropped their bodies. Right there. And just left them there. Yeah. So, like I said, the crime... The, uh, the the crime unit comes in, uh, major crimes unit comes in, the detectives come in, they view the bodies, and they notice right away that the woman has severe head trauma, 
her head was kind of bashed in, multiple fractures to the face, teeth are missing. Damn. Um, he's got blunt force trauma to the head, uh, major wounds, and uh, her sandals missing. So she was wearing sandals at the time. So no sandals, no yeah. shoes. No, she, well, she has one. Has one. She's one on, one's gone. Um, so the cops are the cops are starting to go through the crime scene. Um, they they then look into a dumpster. Into the dumpster, maybe something was dumped in. And one of the cops got a great idea. Let's check the dumpster. He looks in the dumpster. There's a box, of a brand new pair of uh, shoes, but like a shoe box, brand new pair of shoes, uh, and it has uh, what is it called? Um, older shoes in it that are bloody. And they find a Chicago Bears white, or no, like a, a gray um, sleeveless shirt. Mm-hmm. And on it, there's blood marks. They found yeah. a pair of white uh, pants and a pair of white socks, all in the trash. As they're looking through the shoes and they examine the shoes, they find a receipt inside from Walmart. Okay. Timestamped. And it has the purchase of additional clothes. So right away, the cops are like, this is our first break. Yeah, that evidence. <clears throat> because whoever did this, this is their clothes. They forgot about the receipt. Now we got to go to Walmart and we got to see. Check the cameras. Yeah, because obviously they would have cameras. Because other than that, they had nothing but two bodies in the back of the convenience store parking lot yeah. behind the dumpster. So uh, they would. They went to uh, first. They checked the. Convenient stores cameras okay. had no angles on anything. Didn't see anything or review a few hours of coverage, nothing. And they were pretty frustrated by that. So then they moved on to uh, what do you call it? The, the Walmart close. And it was the Walmart was uh, what is it? Uh, just 15 minutes away from the crime scene. Mm-hmm. So it was it was uh, it was tagged or whatever. They go to the surveillance camera uh, footage. And they back it up to, there's a camera overlooking the um, cash register from the top part. Okay. And they see, they go to the, the time period on there, 1224, uh, in the evening, which is the time of purchase. They go in there, they check the camera, they see a white guy on film wearing that sleeveless shirt and has a pants, and right away, that's our killer. That's the dude. That's the guy right Yeah. And he actually has, at this time, which is astonishing to the police, he has blood on his shirt. Already? Yeah. He has blood on his shirt. And, but they can't get a, it's overlooking him from the head down, so they can't get a visual on the face. They can't get a visual recognition. Yeah, exactly. So he's making those exact purchases that came out on that receipt. So what they had to do is back the footage up even further. To where he comes first comes into the, the thing. So Wal- yeah, so the Walmart this is 2008, it's not 2018. So the camera footage isn't that great. It's a little digitally made squares, and pixelated, pixelated lines maybe. And when he walks in, they can tell he's a younger white guy, a little bit muscular, he's kind of wearing high white socks. He has those same white shoes that were found in the box of the bloody same same outfit. He's actually walking in bloody. Like didn't care. So, he probably did. He probably did the. It's like he probably did the crime beforehand. Yeah, and walked into the Walmart. And they were like, "How come no one reported this?" Or did they just think it was paint? I mean, the cops were just tripping. How this guy just walked in there with no 
regard. No, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So the cops are thinking, okay, you know, we have to have more footage of this. They, they had very few footage of, of, of him, didn't have a good picture of the face. And they were thinking, okay, you know, we, we need to uh, we need to figure out a better way to uh, to get uh, to get more footage of this guy. Let's go backwards more. Maybe we can catch him coming from the parking lot in. Because they did have a camera facing the parking lot. Yeah. And several different sides of Walmart. Because, you know, Walmart's famous for that. It's, if I could tell you how many people it's busted, yeah. because they either go to Walmart before or after a crime, to yeah. tell me Walmart always gets their man up <laughs> Or woman. Uh, <laughs> they switch to the parking lot footage. They queue the footage up to about 12:10, and they're looking at different cars that come in. They don't see anything. And then finally, at around 12:15, no, around 12:22, they see him walking in. So then they just rewind it to see where he was coming from in the parking lot. Change the camera angle, and lo and behold, he's standing in front of an F-150 black truck, and he's got the sleeveless t-shirts about 12 15 when he arrives at walmart and the police are watching him on the camera and they're wondering okay what is he doing he goes into the cab of the truck the back cab because you know how the four door yeah yeah so he goes into the back seat climbs into the back seat for a little bit sits in there for a little bit and they're, they're kind of depicting you know is he maybe cleaning himself up or, you know, what's going on you know so yeah, he's sitting there for a while for yeah a sitting there for a while and then he comes out a few minutes later and then goes back to the back of the truck Kind of like looks at it a little bit, kind of hanging out because the back of the truck, okay. So picture this it's a four door F 150. Yeah. It's got the extended cab in the back as far as the, the, the trunk area, but it's got one of those covers. Oh, yeah, it has a cover. The, the lift down cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's sealed. Mm -hmm. And so he's back there and he's just looking at it or whatever. And then the cops are like, okay, he's not doing normal things people do when they pull up to Walmart. It's kind of standoffish. Yeah, when they pull up to Walmart, you, you get there, you may be fooled with whatever you're going to bring into the store, yeah. personal-wise, mm -hmm. get out, lock the car, and walk in. Exactly. So obviously he's spent now seven, almost eight minutes hanging out by his truck. <clears throat> they can't read the license plate. Then the video takes off to where he starts to walk in. So then the cop, one of the cops gets an idea and says, you know what? He asked the Walmart, um, what is it, manager, can you show us exactly where that parking spot is? So they walk over there, and to their amazement, to their fright, they look over there and there's a blood stain, a big one, where the cab or where the trunk into the truck bed was. Yeah, seeping. Yeah. And right away, they bring in a forensic uh, specialist, and he analyzes the blood and the, the, the mountain, how it is, because I guess there's a way to tell. And the guy was like, you know what? He definitely had the bodies of the people in the truck at the time of this video. And also, the amount of blood that was spilled, the body was still hemorrhaging, meaning they might have been alive. They still would have been alive. Either. Or they could, one of them, if not both, were alive when he first pulled up there. Like barely. And so right away the cops were pissed. They were like, man, this guy is, he's on yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's sick right now. Yeah, he's super sick. So um, while all that's going on, the cops are still trying to uh, investigate this. And uh, later that day, uh, this is where the story 
takes a different spot, it's a different change. Okay. Because change direction. It changes direction. Yeah, you talk to you. you gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, later that day, Festus police get a call about a 65-year-old that's missing, Randall or Ronald Randall. And the reason why I got back to the major crimes unit that was working this case, because it came over the wire that he drives a black F-150. Same car. Same truck. Same truck. Yeah. Well, two hours later, his body was found behind a grocery store with blunt force trauma by a hammer from his truck was missing. What? His head was beat in and he was just on the ground. He'd been there. They said he'd been there a while. It was more than a more than a day or two. Yeah. So they're thinking, crap. Okay, so this guy was murdered prior to the estesis and blunt force trauma the vehicle this is our killer so now you're getting more detectives involved this is a different part of the uh, state of missouri yeah so it's in another town they go to surveillance cameras on the grocery store nothing they go to a, the adjacent gas station on a hunch let's check the surveillance camera oh, for the gas station yeah <clears throat> for the gas station as they check the gas station, lo and behold, what pulls into one of the, the F-150? The F-150. <laughs> and who comes out? Hmm. But he comes out in different clothes. He has different clothes on. He doesn't have the Chicago stuff on. He has a hat. It's a skinny guy, same type of build. They can kind of make out a little bit of a chin goatee. So they're like, okay, we kind of thought he had a chin goatee in the other stuff, in the other videos. Let's watch what this guy does. So he comes in. To, and they have the camera inside of the convenience store. And as he's making a purchase, they see something red on his neck. And it's like a smear mark on his neck okay. and his collar, the top part of his collar. So when they go in there and they investigate and ask the, the teller that was online, she that uh, working at the, the, cashier, time, yeah. the cashier, she goes, I, it looked like blood. And they zoomed in, and those cameras are better. It was blood on his Yeah. He didn't care again. This was prior to the Walmart thing. Yeah. It was a few hours before. And basically, he went in there, got gas, got some cigarettes, and drove off. And so they're like, okay, this is this is Ronald Randall's murder. You know, this is the dude that did it. You know, we gotta we gotta catch this guy. This guy's a psychopath. Yeah. This guy's like killing random people. Three people. And, and, and there's there's they've looked into to uh, how how these people could be related and couldn't find anything. So they were thinking we could have like a spree killer on the line. Yeah, he's just killing just for the hell of it. Yeah, just for the hell of it and no regard and you know, this is the most dangerous killer out there, you know, because there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, he's just going at Yeah. So later that day, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, in the evening time, <clears throat> or no, later the next day, I'm sorry, in St. Louis, they found the black truck uh, abandoned down by the city, uh, by the downtown part of uh, St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis cops found it because by this time it was they put out all points bulletin for be on the lookout for this truck. Yeah, it could be on the truck. Yeah, yeah. Or bolo, be on the lookout. Jeez. So you messed up again. <laughs> so as they process the truck, they open up the, the bed liner or the, the, um, the bed top to find it smothered with blood. And they bring in a forensic uh, analyst back at the station. 
in between the, the lining of the bed, you know, those creases? Yeah, those creases don't Yeah, they found several teeth. Oh. And they found the bloody sandal. The other sandal yeah, the sandal for the, for that lady had. Yeah, that Jill had. And right here, the, the uh, Illinois police had came in because, you know, the other murder, that's where, that's where the other murder was, uh, what is it, the, the Illinois police then called at the same time with the processing the truck. You had the other police department that was taking on Ronald's case. Bestest police and the major crimes trying to figure out the ecstasy. At the same time, Illinois cops, police department call in about a quadruple murder. They're asking if it's related to their murder. Police found four people that were bludgeoned to death on the hammer just a day prior. More people. Yeah, so right at this moment the police were like okay this could or could not be but it's very similar and we're gonna have to put that on the back burner right now let's just find this dude like we got to figure out who he is we still don't know who he is yeah what his motive is or anything yes so then again this case is just developing and developing and so again as this case is staying local getting on the news that you know you have these murders a spree killer maybe Another call comes in from another part of Illinois, uh, Sterling, Illinois, to be okay. exact, another small town. They have just found a body in their car a week ago. It was a, from a 93-year-old man, bludgeoned to death and shoved into the back of his car. Now, the reason why this one was taken seriously, obviously, and was also put to the forefront and why it mattered so much is because Dude was stuffed, bludgeoned into his car, $3,000 were stolen from him. Mm -hmm. Sterling police, when they would canvass the area, found a car that was not, you know, registered to anybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. And it was, uh, they found the suspect's car, which they matched a fingerprint to from the murder scene, mm -hmm. to Nicholas Sheehy. They found his car abandoned about a couple blocks from, uh, the John Reed's house, which John Reed was a 93-year-old man that was no, no, it was bludgeoned to death. Yeah. So when they did a quick search on Mr. Uh, Sheely, he matches the Walmart video to a T. White male, sort of a blondish red goatee, Muscul little muscular, little muscular, and tall. And he had a, a, a long rap sheet, stealing things, uh, drug use, drug possession. Uh, disorderly conduct. Yeah, he had a rap sheet. Or, yeah, he had a pretty big rap sheet at this time. So, at this time, they're linking Sheely to these murders. They go to investigate the, you know, because at this point they're thinking, okay, if he's responsible for this four, this eight killings in four days. I mean, they got to get this guy. Yeah. So they're calling in all the. Missouri police that they possibly can. This guy's out of control. Yeah, they're they're flashing his name and picture all over the news. They're like, we gotta get this guy. You know, they even got the SWAT on alert just in case they get any kind of tips. They gotta send them out because they're this guy's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is a this is pretty crazy. While investigating Sheely, they find out that while he was in prison on his last stint, and this is what we talked about in the episode with. Um, what is it called? The Night Stalker. Okay. How we couldn't believe how these prison guys get chicks to fall in love with them when they're in jail. Don't tell me. It's a syndrome, basically. Yeah. 
like like they'll be like because the women want to be in control but they get attention at the same time yeah this chick good looking girl too she was riding him as a pen pal and they became pretty close on you know online and and writing writing letters Mm -hmm. so when he got out they actually met up she said at first it was really cool they got along really good but then he became possessive and he wanted her to do things his way only and you know began to stalk her she had to put a restraining order on him and he had came by her house at night you know cruising by she didn't want nothing to do with him he would sit he would sit like across the street yeah, or something he creeped the hell out of her dude and so they found out that you know he's possibly you know maybe he's coming after her because she lived outside of Festus. and so maybe that was by people she knows yeah and so uh she said that also um he went to lowe's where she worked and had just a few days prior to all the murders come by and demanded to see her to where her co-workers told him to leave and that she didn't want to speak with him he was asking if she was there the managers literally had to force him out they were like this close to calling the cops so the police were like we're interested about that they sent a couple cops up there they checked the video of Lowe's and on the video exactly how they spun it he walked in there and he walked in there with the Chicago clean clothes on this oh, is prior right before prior. the murders this is yeah. hours before the murders walked in there and was literally hounding everybody demanding to talk to this chick he wanted to talk to her so much and he left there pretty pissed off so the hunt continues for him they find out well they don't find out they track down his wife he had a wife this whole time really yeah so this is like he was like that was the side chick that was that was the side chick (laughs) (laughs) and so when they confront her about it she's saying hey you know i've got these weird pictures and photos that came in the mail just the other day and it appears that he's just having a good time she goes i haven't seen him in a couple weeks but he's sending me all these pictures of him touring st louis in the downtown st louis area and sure enough the cops looked at it and they were time stamped and they had the date on it and in each picture he was posing in front of the arch in front of bush stadium in front of the st louis stadium and all these landmarks in downtown and she found it really weird you know, why is he doing that and he even wrote her a letter or two saying you know I, i'd love to come see you but i can't stay here a while I'm, I'm kind of doing my own thing uh, i'm pretty busy meaning he's like on the run you know on I mean? the run, yeah. and uh he didn't have a vehicle at the time so the police are really scared because they're like well we know what he does when he wants a vehicle you know so we gotta we gotta get him and get him out and uh so the manhunt was on his pictures being plastered everywhere and uh, yeah it's getting really serious and so um, this one woman is at a bar in downtown St. Louis right after work, 5 p.m. She's having a drink with her girlfriend. There's a guy sitting two seats over. She's watching television, the football game is on, or some kind of sporting event was on. Then it flashes to one of those, oh, you know, coming up uh, at, at 10 o'clock tonight, you know, 10 o'clock news, the search continues for so-and-so. Yeah, and they, should, they flash. They show Sheely's face. Yeah. Two seats away from her, Sheely's sitting there. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that comes on, he looks right at her like, what are you going to do? And then oh, she like looks at her friend, she looks at her friend and says, oh, I have to go get something out of my car. 
And the bartender goes, uh, she goes, is there an ATM outside? I need to get some money outside. And he goes, oh, yes, yeah, right at the front of the door. She books it out. He starts to come after her a little bit, but then, like, the bartender looks at him, like, weird, because he wasn't looking at the TV screen. Yeah. So he kind of, like, stops, and that kind of saves her for a minute, because she's able to get out the front door. He starts to walk out there casually. She runs out. To her luck, there was a cop writing a ticket in the, on the street, the main street. Yeah. So she goes out there. She's like, that's the guy. Sheely, the guy you're looking for. Right away, the cop calls it in, like, Hey, 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 I have a suspect here, blah, 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 He runs with her over to the front door, guns drawn. He comes out. Yeah, he he's like lighting up a cigarette, and he was like looking around. And another cop pulls up because they were all on high alert, and they arrest him right then and there. Talk about that's really, <laughs> that's really, that's like fortunate. Oh, dude. Yeah, because she, I mean, he, you never know. Like, he run out and the cop right there. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, think about it. If you're going out there, how many times does that happen? When something happens, you're like, damn it, why isn't there a cop around when you need one? Right, and it's right there. It's right there, dude. It was like, he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the FBI, the FBI is like, okay, man, you, you've got to, we got to figure out, uh, we got to figure out how this went down. You know, they arrested him. They wanted, they wanted him to go to trial. And he decides to plead guilty. Because obviously they're sticking all this on him for the they can stick basically uh, four murders on him. And they're like, We're gonna give you the death penalty unless you unless you kill him. Yeah. And we're not California, we'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he valued his life apparently, so he's like, you know, I'm gonna plea out and he goes, What about these other four they said, What about these other four murders? Do you have anything to do with this? So here's how it went down. <laughs> Yeah, so here, here's how it went down, and this is his plea, and his story he told, which all matched up to the evidence. So on June 28, 2008, in his hometown of Sterling, Illinois, Sheely, in need of drug money, knew by doing side work for the older man, the 93-year-old, that he kept big uh, chunks of cash. He didn't believe in banks, so he kept okay. it hidden around the house. Yeah. So he broke into the man's house knowing knowing how to because he could work on it. Yeah, and while, and while he was eating his breakfast in the morning, took out a hammer and bludgeoned him to death in his, in his kitchen. Then took his body and put it in his trunk, closed it up, left the car outside in the driveway like nothing had happened. Went back into the house, searched for money. He actually, there was $7,000 that he didn't find. But he found three thousand, and three thousand. He could have made it with ten thousand dollars right there. He could have, and three thousand is a lot to go on a binge. So he pretty much did that. When the money started to run loose and low, he had nowhere to go. He wasn't going to go home to his wife for whatever reason. Five days later, at a car wash, that's when he runs into poor old Randall, the sixty-three-year-old. He was the second victim. He liked his F one fifty when he took it. He came from behind us. Randall was, uh, what's it called, vacuuming his truck. Hit him over the head with the same hammer. Several times until he wasn't breathing no more. Took him out of that bed of the truck. That's probably where the first amount of blood came from. Yeah. Dumped him at that grocery store. Then a few hours later, the four victims were his as well. They were his wife's ex-boyfriend. Whoa. He was going for money from them, but he didn't. 
he didn't have to go and do it the way he did. This is what pissed. I mean, look, all these other deaths are, are bad, but this one's really bad. I mean, they just had no motive. All the drug yeah, is drug induced murders. Yeah, and they were just like seriously filthy, bad murders. I mean, I mean, it's not like, I mean, look, any way you murder a person's bad, whether you slip their throat, yeah. you shoot them in the head, but at least when you, I mean, look, let me just preference as much as I can. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you shoot someone in the head, it's fast. You're like you're 95 percent gonna die. I mean, rare, you know, right away. It's rare when you hang on or, or people recover, they live. You know, we've had some stories like that, but yeah, it's rare. Yeah, it is. you're gonna execute someone. That's what it means to execute someone. It's over. These people suffer. These people suffer, and that's the thing that pisses me off even talking about it because. The four victims, like I said, um, one of them was the ex-boyfriend, his girlfriend, Okay. their two-year-old son. Really? Yes. Two-year-old son and a roommate that was staying with Just a random roommate. Just a random roommate. Bad. Just there at the wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. And he must have been like, now granted, meth makes you do some crazy stuff, and meth also puts you in a thing where you can see certain things, like people look like demons to you and stuff. Yeah. So the, these were rage killings. So he was swinging his hammer like his life depended on it. And these people, the, the force of trauma on these people, it disgusted it was, bad. it was bad. It disgusted the officers and detectives. Uh, so all four were murdered in their apartment. So just hours after that, was he was still fuming the fact he couldn't meet up with that chick. He was still fuming that he couldn't uh, find her, couldn't see her, she wasn't responding, he was calling her, texting her, whatever. And basically that hotel was close to where that woman lived. He was taking a break for whatever reason and was sitting in that parking lot, mere 20, 30 yards from where the Estes's pulled in. And that's how they crossed paths. The Estes's came back from dinner, we're going to take their two dogs upstairs, call it a night, and then probably leave that later on the next yeah, morning. The next morning. Yeah. And head back to Arkansas. Instead, they were the wrong place at a wrong time. And as they pulled up, uh, he asked them a random question about helping out if they had any money. They said no, and that's when he attacked them. He bludgeoned both of them. They kind of resisted in a, in a way. He beat him. Nobody was out at that time. Granted, it was a quiet, cold night. Again, around 8 p.m. or something, 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 9 or 10. Anyway, because it took a while for the dogs to get over to the other side. But anyway, he beat him. He claimed that he thought at least one of them was still alive in front of the truck. That's why he had to get rid of the bodies. He didn't want to leave them out there. And he took off and he hit him in that spot. And uh, the rest is what I explained earlier. So he got charged with eight. Eight murders in total. Eight murders in total. Uh, spree killing that lasted four days. Drug-induced, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it was off his rocker. Yeah, he pleaded guilty. And obviously, because he pleaded out, he complied with the officer's requests and stuff. He was granted no death penalty. But obviously, in my opinion, he should have. He should have still, they should have been like, uh, no, yoink, we take that back. No, you took eight lives. Like, you need to pay it yeah. back. And I think it hurts. I mean, this case wasn't talked about, again, nationally. 
I don't know why, but this is a case that was a deep dive, and it was a good one because you can see how, say for instance, you hear about a serial killer. If this coronavirus wasn't going around, you'd probably hear about a serial killer, and they'd be like, oh man, it's a big story, and the hunt for this one, you know, because you know, there's two girls that were murdered, you know, in, in Chicago, and they're still trying to find their, you know, Libby and Abby, they're still trying to find their killer. That's a huge case. But this one's six more lives. Yeah. But it's just the randomness of it. And it was, you know, a localized small town, you know, I don't know why I just didn't get the pub, but anyway, eight murders for Mr. Sheely, who was kind of violent, but not like murders violent. But this is what some drugs just do to people. And just, they mess them up until it. Yeah, and this guy, he just. Oh, Solitary yeah, confinement for the rest of the life. As it should be if he's not getting the death penalty. Yeah, yeah. I think he was in his uh, early 30s at the time. So it's not like he's an older dude. But he still has a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of time. But it's just unfortunate in a case like this, the loss of life. Random. Random and for nothing. I mean, obviously murder is bad regardless. Yeah, it is. But, dude, you die for that. I mean, jeez. All the hammer. Yeah, all the hammer, dude. It's crazy because he must have either gotten the jump on him because he never explained exactly or they didn't really put it out there how he killed all four of them. Like, I understand a two-year-old is not going to put up a fight yeah. regardless, but I'm telling you, like, how did, he, if, how did he get a hold on those three adults? You know, they're all home at the same time, so it's not like he waited for each one. He attacked them all at once. So, I mean, dude. And then nobody heard of the apartment because they didn't find the bodies till later. Till later, yeah. So, yeah, all in all, bad story. And the only things that would survive were the two dogs. Two dogs, yeah. That's the thing. It's crazy because this case kind of goes from from back to forward. You know what I mean? Like like the bodies they found wasn't in the chronological order that they happened. Yeah, you know, they were the last ones. Yeah, yeah. So the Estes were the last ones, and they were able to retrace it back. It's just crazy how the state of Missouri was like, holy crap, we got this one, we got this one. They all connected. They all connected. Yeah. So, man, that's, that's a crazy guy. Yeah, dude. Any final thoughts on this one? Well, he's where he should be. <laughs> he's where he should be, but it sucks the way they went. Yeah, it did. It did suck. So, if you like this story and others that we tell um myself todd fox and, and uh big renee right here and usually maddie max on the microphone i'm usually telling stories to these guys they've never heard i do the research and then we go from there and i educate them they like the crime dramas and uh, genre so yes yeah so um if you like what you hear you can hit us up on grinding true crimes on or grinding true crimes on facebook and grinding true crime on any other um the media, on Spotify or iHeart, Podbean, iHeart. Um, what's the other one? I don't forget another one. But you can just find us on a bunch of other um, platforms. And like and subscribe, please. It helps a lot. Leave a rating too, as well. That's awesome. That'll move you up the charts. So we hope you all stay healthy in this time of crisis, which is the coronavirus. We have our uh, opinions on it. We'll see if that yeah. on the show. <laughs> You'll hear about that later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you want to hear those opinions, you can find those on uh, the Grinds. 
the G-R-I-N-D-S, maybe we'll show there. That's usually live when we record that and upload that to the same platforms that we're on in this movie. So, so for Top Fox, Big Renee, give us a way to sign off because we need some sort of catchy sign off. We don't have one. We don't. <laughs> this is like episode seven. We so. give us give us your your ideas. Yeah, yeah. We need we need something. We can't use Mama out. Let's take it. Let's trademark. We need something that'll work. That's that's not offensive. Yeah. Not yet. No. So until then, I guess. See you later. Guys, stay stay safe. All right. Good night.